I think I've talked about it on the show before. I used to do some work. And I still do. I just haven't had a chance to go down as often as I'd like. But I do some work down in Mexico yes. at an orphanage called Casa Hogari Lim, just across the border from Texas into Mexico. Mm-hmm. Been with Marcy and Tim on several oh, yeah. different trips. They go down as well. And Marcy and I are hanging out with the kids one time <laughs> and we're having fun. You know, I love kids. I used to love these kids, but I don't anymore. <laughs> and here's why I don't anymore. They look at Marcy and they, then they look at me and point at me and go, Tu papa? <laughs> Hi, this is Juan, a.k.a. Kermit the Runner, and I'm a biggest runner from the most beautiful and diverse city, Houston, Texas. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. I thank you for joining us today. We're glad you're here. This podcast is designed for you. Now, here's the one and only, your host, Jeff Harrell and Stephen Brent. Well, thank you, Juan. You probably know Juan is Kermit the Runner. Yeah, Kermit the Runner. Juan, thank you so much for doing the introduction. He is a great follow on Instagram and just been following the show. And he has a really cool story. I would really encourage you guys to check him out and just even like his weight loss journey. And he's a pretty good darn runner, too. He is. And he's in H-Town, Stephen, Houston, Texas. Yeah, not too far away from us. So he runs in the heat just like we do. That's right. Well, thanks, Juan. Thank you so much for doing the introduction. And we really appreciate that. Well, welcome to the Big Ass Runner. I'm Jeff Harrell. And I'm Stephen Print. Stephen, believe it or not, we've made it. We have? We have made it. We have arrived. We've arrived at episode number 50. Are you serious, Jeff? 50? This is the midlife crisis episode. (laughs) I think we're going to officially title this the Over the Hill, Bring Out the Muselex, whatever it is. It depends on whatever. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) It depends. I know. Nicely worded. Thank you so much. So yeah, this is the Over the Hill episode. Stephen, I'm inspired by that because you know what we're going to do? We're going to actually theme this whole entire episode (laughs) (laughs) about being over the hill or having something to do with hills or midlife crisis. We thought we'd just have a little bit of fun with it. Right. Yeah. It's not over, but yeah, we're going to talk about this in episode number 50. You know, it's funny, Jeff, as I get older, I feel like that that being over the hill isn't so over the hill, but for some reason they say that, you know, when you turn 50, that's where you see like the black birthday cards, you know, and you get all the teasing and you get the wheelchairs in your office and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, is 50 really that old? It's funny, Stephen, when I was younger, way long time ago, (laughs) it seemed like, you know, when I was in my, you know, if you're in the elementary school years, you think someone that's 20 is super old, right? right? Then you become a teenager and like, oh, you know, 25, 28, that's starting to feel a little bit old. And then you get in your 20s and you're like, oh, 30, late 30s, 40s. Now that I'm 50, 50 is not old at all. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm not I'm not quite there yet, but I, I'm definitely knocking on the door and I agree. I mean, I don't feel old. I don't feel like I act old. Definitely super immature. So yeah, I don't know that 50 is that mark, but for some reason people have their mind. But Jeff, I mean, like the idea of being over the hill, like where did that even come from? What does that even mean? It's funny you say that or ask that, Stephen, because I actually did a little research. What? Again, this is like two episodes in a row. I think <laughs> I think the data scientists are going to feel a little bit left out. Well, they're not because I actually went into the data warehouse <laughs> and I used their computers. Well, that makes sense now. They were very excited decided to be helpful. I did a simple Google search, Stephen. You know that over the hill is a saying that has been in use since the early 1900s. Really? 
Yes. And it seems, this is where it gets a little fuzzy, <laughs> seems to originate in England where we have a lot of listeners. We do. We actually have a really good population of listeners over in, in England. In the UK. That's right. Well, this idea of this idiom is that a, not idiot, but idiot, <laughs> idiom is that a person is advancing up the hill of life for the first 40 years. I'm going to argue the 40. I'm going to say 50. Yeah. And once turning 50, starts to descend that hill. So the rest is just downhill after that. Well, you know, I think that makes a little bit of sense because maybe in the 1900s, being 40 was... That's true. That was, would be midlife. That would be midlife in terms of life expectancy. But now with modern medicine and trail running and things like that and healthy eating, I think that time period, rightfully so, Jeff, is a lot longer than that. So, well, hey, Jeff, on that same subject, so being over the hill, this is our 50th episode, you know, things that are kind of on the back end going down... What are some things, Jeff, is there anything like you're just done with? You're like, okay, I'm so over that. There's a long list, even. <laughs> some things on this list I probably won't mention on the podcast, but there is one in particular. I like to go to restaurants. Yeah, you guys, you as a family, you're really good. You guys go out, you and Allison spend a lot of time going out. So yeah. Yeah, every once in a while. And now that we have less kids in the house, we're able to go out and not spend <laughs> so much money. <laughs> right. We try to do a lot of date nights and things like that. And I love it when you, you, know, you sit down and they hand you a menu. Right. Well, for the last... <laughs> Year and a half, you have to take out your phone, <laughs> you have to scan the QR code. Right. And I understand why. I get that part, but I'm over it because what you end up doing is spending the first 10 minutes looking, you're both staring at your phone. So it looks like you don't even talk to each other anymore after you know, we've been married 27. We just had our 27th uh, year anniversary, by Con the way. Congratulations. Yeah. You're staring at your phone, but you're really, you're looking at the menu. You're trying to figure out what you want to eat or right. drink. <laughs> I'm over the QR code menus. <laughs> Give me the real menus where I can put my hands on them and read all the great, delightful elements that they have inside. Give me a real menu. Yeah, I can see that. Well, that looks good. Well, yeah, keep on scrolling because it's down at the bottom. Right? Well, and then what happens is you do the QR code and your phone's not getting good reception. So you can't, it won't pull up. So you're leaning over and looking at my wife Allison's phone and it's just a big mess. I hate it. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I think there's you want to be clean and safe and that kind of stuff. But having something real in your hands, you know, we're on our phones so much. Somewhere. Anyway, I agree with you. I'm over that, too. And and I, I had to laugh because my parents came into town and we went to a restaurant that had that. And they're like, where's the menu? It's like, it's on your phone. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, well, no, you see, you have to scan it. And yes. what do you mean scan it? Like, what's, what's there to scan? There's this box, you know, it's like, so just it's get whole... your picture out, your, your camera phone, your camera phone. Right. It, it'll pop up. I promise. So yeah, I totally agree, Jeff. Yeah. Anything for you, Steven, that you're just done with, you're just kind of tired of? Well, like you, I, you know, now that I am getting older, I feel like that list is growing. You know, one thing, okay. So one thing, Jeff, I feel like is... I'm kind of done with like all of these remakes, you know, like there's these movies and it's a remake. I mean, the original was great. That's why it's an original. Like we don't need you to go remake it. Like there's new ideas and new things out there. And one of them I saw recently, this is kind of on the similar topic was like reunion shows, you know, it's like friends reunion, like that show's over with. It's been it's been old. It's over the hill. It's done with. It's on reruns. I get it. But yet we have to have a show about the show ending. And so it's the end of the show, end of show 
show. <laughs> yes, it's about that. And so now they're talking about how it was been old. And then you've got to talk about how what it was like. And that was that was like 20 or 30 years ago. Like, why do we need to have a show about a show that was gone 20 years ago? I mean, I think friends, this they just need to move on and be acquaintances. They don't need to be <laughs> friends. They're anymore. stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. Like, that's why we have social media. You know, stay connected. But what are we going to in 20 more years? We're going to have like the acquaintances version of the reunion show that was the reunion show for the first show. I don't know. I'm so over that. I just want new content and fresh original ideas. Sorry if you're a big friends episode person. I'm sure it's a great show, but I don't need to see a show about a show that was ending. I'm sorry. Well, here's I think the problem, Stephen. You mentioned new ideas. I think there aren't a lot of new ideas, or at least I think it's too hard to come up with fun, fresh new ideas. And they know that the old idea worked. Ah. So let's just redo it a little bit. Let's polish it up, put a little lipstick on that pig and redo it. Right. And throw it out there again. And someone will look at it. Someone will buy it. Someone will go to it. That's true. I just don't think there's enough originality, creativity out there. At least people pushing that envelope. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, but how many times can they do that? Like once I get, but is there going to be a, a remake of the remake? Well, they'd never do that with superhero movies, would they, Stephen? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because the plots vary so much. <laughs> They're so diverse. <laughs> You I'm going to get some more mail I was going to say, one. you can send all the hate mail to Jeff at BigAssRunner.com. <laughs> the inbox will be full and it'll be filtered through the data scientists. Well, Stephen, we've got this theme of hills and being over the hill. And so we thought in segment one, we would talk about how to run hills. So tease that a little bit. Oh, wow. And then in our second segment, one of our favorites, everybody's favorite, is going to be back talking about maybe some things that we've considered now that some of us are hitting middle age. <laughs> awesome. So with that, let's get going with episode number 50, the midlife crisis episode of The Big Ass Runner. Stephen, with this midlife crisis episode, <laughs> episode number 50, I'm handling it okay. Yeah. Are you doing all right? I think I'm doing okay. Are you going to go purchase something? Or? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go buy a Corvette or anything. I don't think. I think I'm handling it okay. But I thought we would talk a little bit about, because we're talking about oh, being over the hill. Right. Running hills is something that all trail runners need to deal with, some less than others. We don't run as many hills as, let's say, some of our friends in Arizona and Colorado. Right. But we still need to run hills. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about the technical side of running hills and maybe also the mental or strategic side of running hills. Yeah, I, I think people think that when they're running, it's like, okay, you just power up it and then you cruise down. And there is some truth to that. But actually, when you run hills and you do it right, there actually is a proper way to do that. And again, this is not a technical podcast, but it, there are some considerations just for, you know, preventing injury. And so, especially for training, it's such a big part of it. I mean, like to your point, Jeff, there's not a lot of hills where you and I live in Texas, but one of our favorite parks that we go to a lot, there's like three or four really big hills. And doing that can become a source of strength, but how you do it, I think is really important. Because I think what I've tended to do, Stephen, is take the path of least resistance uh -huh. and just power, you know, 
quote unquote, I'm going to power walk this hill. But I think you don't really improve a lot if you're doing that. And so you do need to learn how to run hills from time to time. So I did a little bit of research. Yeah. I looked at different articles talking about running hills and different things. And there tended to be some pretty consistent themes. I think the first one was around breathing and making sure that you, because I think the tendency when you run a hill is you put the head down, mm-hmm. you hunch over, you're like, you right. grind it out. Right. But in doing some research, it appears that that is actually not what you want to do because when you bend over, especially at the waist, right. you're closing up your lungs and you're not able to breathe as properly as you should be. Yeah, I think you're right. People underestimate that or they either go to the other extreme where they do like what I call the huff and puff. It's because they think they're powering. So it's like that, you know, it's like, I don't, is that Lamaze? The, the little engine that could? Right. Yeah. Lamaze. Are they giving birth to the hill? I don't really know what's going on there, but I, I sometimes hear people do that. But in actuality, you know, when I used to run across country, the coach would tell us when you're going up is to actually take a breath and it's actually a time to control your breathing because usually you're coming down something or whatever. So sometimes before I go up a hill, I'll just take a deep breath in and just almost like a meditation kind of deep breath and just, you know, take a deep breath and then kind of suck that air and hold it and then try to work on a different cadence and rhythm because your breathing should be um, kind of like a rhythm just like, just like your legs are. And so you're right, Jeff. I mean, part of that is opening up your chest, not leaning forward in terms of like compressing your chest and letting that oxygen, but it can be actually an element to get more oxygen into your lungs, not less, even though you are laboring, running up a hill. And as you pointed out, Stephen, we're not a technical podcast, but we are for the everyday runner. And I think everyday runners will need to engage in hills as they run, especially (laughs) like you pointed out, those that have a little bit more undulation to their trails than we do here in texas right yeah and if you don't engage a hill i trust a hill will engage you (laughs) so true yeah the second thing that i learned this is a bad habit of mine when i run i tend to it's kind of this idea of putting the head down and fighting through it Mm -hmm. i put my head down a lot even when i'm just running because part of it is negotiating routes and things like that but I think I've got a bad habit of really tilting my head down and looking down. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I saw that was pretty consistent across all the articles I saw was keeping your head up. And I yep. think, again, it goes back to the breathing element that you want to keep your head up. And they said, look, even like 20 yards ahead of you, 20 or meters ahead of you, keep that head up so it keeps your chest open so that as you're running, you're able to breathe a little bit better. Yeah, that is so true, Jeff. And I can attest to that too. I think for a new runner, the tendency, like you said, Jeff, is to put your head down and then you're powering. But sometimes people do the opposite too. They actually will look farther ahead because they're like, okay, I'm going to conquer this hill. I'm going to conquer this. And so they're looking up and that could be defeating mentally, you know, kind of thing to say, holy crap, I got to go up all at that hill. But you're right. A lot of articles, and again, the way I was taught is it's almost like a 45 degree angle. You don't want to look all the way up to the top and you don't want to look, you know, close to your toes. But somewhere in between there, it gives you kind of the visibility, but to kind of say, okay, that's where my focal point is. And then thinking about it in terms of like chunks, like not steps and not the whole big piece, but in chunks as you go up. If you have that mentality, you know, mentally and physically getting up the hill, it's a lot easier. Whereas if you're looking straight up, it can literally be a mental beating. (laughs) Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, you'll just want to start walking, basically. Love that, Stephen. The third thing that I saw was pretty consistent was this idea of driving your knee off the hill 
and not into the hill. And basically what that means is that you're maintaining a normal knee drive. You're working on landing on the ball of your foot and springing up the hill versus kind of driving yourself into it. Does that resonate with you and your cross country experience as well? Yeah, it really is true. Again, like when I used to run Jeff, we would run exercises and do all these kinds of things, but that's exactly right as well too. I mean, you don't want to do your normal knee drive. You, you exactly what you just mentioned in terms of moving off the ball and springing the foot and stuff. That's really important because you don't want your foot like pounding against the hill, but you definitely want to drive. So you have to pick it up a little bit more. I think the other thing with that too is, especially if you've ever run on a treadmill, you can literally instantly see it, is typically when you're moving your hands, they're opposite. So when your left hand is up, you know, your right knee is down and vice versa. The next time you run a hill, really watch your arm swing because your knees will naturally follow your arms. It's the weirdest thing. People are like, well, it's almost like if you move one, the other starts moving. But the reason that is, Jeff, is because your arms... The reason why you swing them is because that's creating balance. You're literally counterbalancing with both of them. So if you're having a hard time, I encourage people do exactly what you said with your knees, but also just watch your arm swing, loosen them up a little bit, relax, and you'll find that you can actually power because your knees will start to naturally engage with that. So that's an easy way to kind of move up that hill. Great practical, just kind of tactical ways to run up hills. But we also wanted to dive a little bit, Stephen, into the strategic or kind of mental side of running hills. So we turned to one of our buddies out in Arizona, Ashley, who runs and leads the Team Dirt and Bird out in Arizona. She runs lots of hills. She's an awesome runner. Yeah. So I asked Ashley if she'd share a little bit of insight with us on how she deals with hills. So here's Ashley talking about how she runs hills. Some dread those hill repeats or high-grade climbs, but you know what? They're fun. Well, that's my opinion anyways. Of course they are tough. The vert challenges your body, your legs, your lungs, and your heart. When you come up to a big climb after many miles on your legs, it becomes more mental to push yourself. During a recent race, the Mesquite Canyon 50-miler, I was talking to Amber. She's from the Midwest. We raced side-by-side for the first 20 miles. She asked me as we hit a tough climb, what do I do mentally to get through tough times in a race? At first, I drew a blank. I knew this course well and knew the fun downhill would be coming soon. I anticipated the downhill freefall, so the climb to me was worth the effort for what's to come. So I told her knowing each climb has fun around the corner. I asked her what she does. She said she has mantras and songs she repeats in her head. One was, what goes up must come down. Pretty much the same thing I was thinking. We'll have a nice break on the downhill once we get to the top of this beast. Rolling hills, you get that momentum going up, then you get to relax down. Repeat that, and it's just like a fun ride. When you do it enough, you'll get stronger, and your legs will spring you up those climbs faster. The way I attack tough climbs is take it sections at a time. Run to a point, hike, repeat to the top. I have a friend that has recently taken me on a couple 20-mile runs where half was up and the other half down. I'm used to repeats, not long climbs like that. She would say, Ashley, let's run to that tree. So we would run, then walk a bit. Then she'd say, Ashley, let's run to that guardrail or sign. We would do that the whole way up. Mentally, it helps to break it up. So there are many ways to attack hills. To me, it's mental. Train your mind and your body will follow. 
We can see why we asked Ashley to give us some advice. Such great advice, Stephen. Yeah, and I think it is. It's both a mental and it's a physical thing. And yeah, pulling somebody in who actually runs morals than we do is really good. And, and that's really some solid advice. What's one of the things that stood out to you, Jeff, when she was talking about that? And this is something I think I do not just with hills, but with longer runs in general is trying to break it up, mm-hmm. you know, trying not to get your, and this is even something that Dr. G talked about, staying present. Yeah. And, and not thinking about the next mile, but just thinking about the mile that you're in and trying to get through that. And so taking it in sections, as she talked about, I think really, really helps. Because if you try to, it's like eating the elephant bite at the time. <laughs> yeah. If you think about the full thing, it's like, oh, it can be overwhelming. Or look how big that hill is. Well, so just, just run to that tree and then see how I feel. Right. And then let's go to that next tree and see how I feel. Breaking up into sections, as Ashley pointed out, I think is very wise. Yeah. I think especially for newer listeners or people who maybe are starting out, we have a lot of people like that, Jeff. I think she said something and people kind of miss it. It's okay to walk in trail running. It's totally okay to walk in trailing. I think people have this idea that when you're training or running your race, it's just constant movement. And it's really not the case. I mean, there might be some inclines, Jeff, that you just can't do or you need to have that break. And I think having permission to do that (laughs) is really good. I think I read somewhere, Jeff, that for every 4% in terms of like an incline, that's the equivalent of like one minute difference in your speed. And so that's the feeling that your body has when doing that. So imagine that pace or that whatever. So you may need to walk. So I think somebody who's good as an athlete like Ashley, you know, it's, it's good to hear that you, like you said, Jeff, set your pace. And then I think mentally, that's where giving yourself permission to do that is, is really important. Another thing she said, I think it's important. I tend to opt out of, of running up a hill. Uh because I I say, well, you know, if I run up this hill, it's really going to tax me and I'm not going to be able to run as well. So let's walk the hill and then run the straightaways or the flat areas. Mm -hmm. And you don't get any better. And she, she talked about just doing it, doing it over and over and you'll get stronger and stronger. You'll learn how to run them even more. So if you always opt out, like I've been doing, (laughs) well, sometimes that is the smart thing to do. Right. If you do it every time, you'll never get better. And so what I want to try to do in this training that I'm doing for the 100K is start running trails much more often so that I can, when it's necessary or strategically the right thing to do, I can run up hills. Yeah. I think that's right, Jeff. I mean, I think people think hills are scary. And as Ashley mentioned, and you'd mentioned, they are tough, but I think they can make a big difference in your training. I know several months ago when I was doing Orange Theory, I started getting vertigo. So I was getting wobbly on the treadmill and that kind of stuff. And I was on flat, you know, flat level. And I read some articles and they said, well, if you stay at an incline for your vertigo, it'll help. So I started doing that. But you know, it's funny, Jeff, I forgot that I was on this incline. So I've just kept it there. And I've noticed that when I go out and run for real, you know, like not there, I have less and less problems on the hills because I'm already running at an incline. So now I'm actually already acclimated to that percentage already. So there can be some benefit in it. And when you train in in a hill environment, it really can help your performance. I guess that's why they call it training, Stephen. (laughs) That's right. Getting your body used to and acclimated. And I think that's important for trail running because you're going to get Hills, uphill, downhill, flats, uneven terrain, all kinds of things you got to negotiate. And if you've never done it before, you've never trained for it, how can you expect your body to be able to really you know, achieve it? 
Right. Yeah. You'll have those moments where you say, what the hell is going on here? And you just <laughs> got to push through it. Well, Stephen, hopefully that's been helpful for the everyday runner out there learning a little bit and talking a little bit about not only the physical side, the tactical side of running hills, but also the mental side. So thank you, Ashley, for helping us. And Stephen, with that, that's how you get over the hill. Well, Stephen, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there just getting it done. Who do we have this week? Yes, Jeff. We actually, I think she's an OG. I don't know, but she's been following with us for a while. It's actually Terry Clark. She's out in Arizona with Ashley, who just did the last segment. And she's on Instagram with Clark Mom on the Run.13. And she's just an amazing person. Seems like an incredible lady, just a great runner, mom of three, wife, and a teacher, just doing some really cool stuff out there in Arizona. And we wanted to give her a shout out for all, just all the hard work that she's doing. Yeah, Stephen, it's interesting with this podcast and meeting people through Instagram. You feel like you know people and you just get this vibe from people that just how awesome they are. Yeah. And Terry is one of those people. I just observe her pictures of her family at the beach, just different things. And I just know she's a great person, a great mom, great wife. So really wanted to give her a shout out. So way to go, Terry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Marcy Baser. (laughs) Hi, guys. She's back. I'm back, baby. Welcome back, Steven's got a hot mic. <laughs> got a hot mic. It's like I was, was going to attack me or something. But. Welcome back, Marcy. Thanks, guys. I've missed you all. Yeah, we've missed you too. You look nice and tan, by the way. You do look tan. Have you, have you been on the lake? I've been on the lake a yeah. lot. Yeah. 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 What did you call it? Like a... A lake dog or mud puppy or a water, water puppy? Water, water puppy. puppy. <laughs> water puppy. <laughs> That's right. A lake dog, a water puppy. It's all it the all same. works. Mud bug. It, That's a crawfish. <laughs> it all works. It all works. I don't know. Well, don't read it into anything, Marcy, that you're back on the over the hill episode. <laughs> don't read anything into that. That's purely coincidence. Uh, Very yes. coincidental. <laughs> I feel like you guys are older than me, so I feel okay about that. I don't know. I don't know. How old are you, Steven? Well, um, that's a good question, Marcy. <laughs> I would say I'm in the northern 40s. I too am what? in the northern 40s. I think 40s. you are the same Do age. Do we just 47? become best friends? I think so. No. <laughs> Do we just become best friends? That's from Step Brothers. Good line. I know exactly yeah, that's Yeah, from. exactly. Um, I'm just a little bit north of you. There just, you go. Yeah. I told you I was yeah. the youngest one in the room. You're the youngest one here. It's probably because we both do CrossFit. People probably think we're in our 30s. Well, I don't do CrossFit. I mean, yes. Orange, neither or, do you. Neither do I. <laughs> but we, we don't do, do CrossFit. Theory. That's right. That's exactly what I do. I don't do CrossFit. My arms would be... I can't even lift myself up. So why do I think I can even do CrossFit? Orange theory would be correct. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's where we go. So this is Stephen's memory episode loss. <laughs> Now that you're over the hill. Now that I'm over the hill, right. Oh, 
fuck? Man, well, how do we recover from this? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, we're talking about being over the hill, and so what we thought we would do is bring Marcy in, not because she's over the hill. <laughs> I'm chugging up. She's starting to see the hill. Oh, I'm on the hill, baby. She's on the on hill. The she's hill. seeing maybe the top far, far away. Ah, you're being kind. But we thought, you know, one thing when you think about someone being, you know, mid-age, yep. you hear this stereotype that they go middle-age crazy, right? Mm-hmm. That they have a midlife crisis, so if to speak. If you will. Yeah. If you will. <laughs> and so we thought we would inquire, Marcy, because you bring a unique perspective to the Big S Let's be honest. Right. A younger perspective. A too. way younger. Way younger. younger. <laughs> unique meaning younger, of course. Yeah, yes. and, and girl. Well, that's true, too. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. I wonder, have you had in your lifetime, more recently perhaps, mm-hmm. any midlife crisis, like purchases or things that you've oh, wanted to do? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Have you looked in your driveway since I got here? You have a Jeep. That was definitely a midlife crisis situation. Really? Oh, I got that 20-year-old Jeep out there, and it is my baby. And when I'm having particularly bad days, I'll just go cruise around. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just putter around in it like nice i know we have to clarify this too because the jeep has been redone so it's oh, not yeah. it's not like it's like rust you know and it's falling it's off it's cool it's, it's a, very it is cool. a very cool yeah, yeah. I, we worked on that thing it was yeah. fun can't you like go in the rain and like don't you have like the inside yes. like, like i put boat interior inside it <laughs> and i put rhino liner inside it Whoa. so it is completely so take it on waterproof should i want to right. which i don't uh, she's not made for that but she is made to get rained on because i don't have a top for it uh, ever wow oh that's awesome so yes. you've gone topless Basically, yes. Yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> and it's for the lake. So there you go. It's here. You'll see me puttering around town. Right. Marcy's puttering around town topless. topless. Always. Wow. <laughs> Our fan base just went up in Dallas, and <laughs> so did Marcy's Instagram. <laughs> So you uh, you referred to her as a pronoun she does, does she have a name She identifies as a female you know, yes a female um, white jeep okay female white jeep <laughs> I saw that movie. It kind of gave me nightmares. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, she doesn't have a name. Roxanne. Well, apparently, I mean, she does now. I'm and Rox- into- Roxy. Yeah, Roxy. Roxy fit. When you, when you restore a Jeep, you have to strip down the paint and put new this paint on. true. Oh, right. It's new paint, new doors, took off the top, put a little... Bikini top funny is what they call it. That's true. (laughs) On the top of it, it's fun. It is my midlife crisis. And yeah. Did you put a stereo in it or did you already have a good one? Uh, It had a decent stereo with never having a top. I don't want to put anything too expensive in there. That's true. So the cassettes work nicely. Actually. (laughs) It does? Yes. I think there may be a cassette player. I mean, no, because you can, I like, I can plug my phone into it. Okay. So we're all good. Yeah. But it. Might possibly play cassettes. I'll have to go look. That is awesome. <laughs> it's pretty old. <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Any any midlife crisis type purchases coming up anytime soon? Well, yeah. So I've been thinking about this because I, you know, me, I like gear. I like to. So this is really just an excuse to buy something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm really going to have a midlife crisis, but for me, I think there's kind of two categories. One is to go someplace that I've never been before. So I kind of want to go to the Himalayas. Ooh. Ooh. 
well, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So it sounds so, <laughs> so far away. So far away, yeah. They have really great salts. That's all I really know. Oh, that's true. And, and they're pink. <laughs> it's pink. So, I mean, yeah. So there's an organization I like, and, and they do trips, you know, in the Himalayan mountains and stuff. So I kind of want to do that by the time I get to be 50. Ooh. And this is funny because you guys will know this. I, I really want a truck really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anyone needs one, it's you. <laughs> that's true. Thank you, Marcy. But I, I do have a, a car that I, I do like. So my goal is to get this truck that I really, really want by the time I turn 50. So I think nice. if I can accomplish those two things, I'll put my energy towards that. So that's a trip out to the Himalayas. I want to spend a couple of weeks out there. And then I want to to get this truck. So That's yeah, cool. th- those are the those are the two things that I think. So what about you, Jeff? I've never really been the hey, let's go get a Camaro, let's go get a <laughs> Corvette <laughs> kind of guy. You want to go diving with the sharks? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I've, see, it's been so long ago that I was in my midlife crisis. <laughs> do you even remember? I'm it? trying to remember. <laughs> Here's what I did do. Yeah. I did get a tattoo. So that's a little ah, bit. true. That's true. I do remember that. Yeah. That's a little bit like what you would expect maybe someone to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I did my first 50K. That's right. When I turned yeah. 50. That was something I wanted to do. But I'm kind of with you, Stephen. I'd rather do things than yeah. acquire things or have things. I really want to go to Israel. That's oh, on yeah. the list. Yes. Never done that. And then New Zealand. Those are the two places I've never wow. been. Why New Zealand? Yeah. They talk cool. Oh, sweet. Uh, and sweet accents. They're, they're called Kiwis. And I love Kiwis. <laughs> they're called Kiwis? Yeah. The people are? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. well and Kiwis I are delicious. Go. <laughs> I know. See? They are delicious. It's a fruit and a bird, too. Oh, my and a person. Goodness. And a person. And a person. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And we have listeners in New Zealand. That's true. Like four. And wow. Shout out to you Kiwis. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Shout out all over to the Latvians that are also listening. We're all, all, all the over Latvians. the place. You should hit Latvia on your way to, to, to New Zealand. Swing by Latvia. <laughs> right. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's actually where they film Lord of the Rings. I know you're a big Lord of the Rings fan. And uh, not as much. <laughs> New Zealand or Latvia? <laughs> that's true. I, I think it's more New Zealand. <laughs> they didn't film Lord of the Rings in Latvia? No. Maybe some of the parts of Middle Earth, but... <laughs> uh, well, anything else, Marcy? Because you, when we talked about this topic, you said, oh, I almost daily. Well, well so I, I am Jeep. living in the middle of my midlife crisis. I've hit it. Okay. I've, I feel like it's been a whole year of midlife crisising. I just, all of a sudden, I looked and started feeling my age. And I was like, what has happened? It sneaks up on you. Oh, my lossie, does it? Oh. I know. It's terrible. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's a little heart-wrenching some mornings when you look in the mirror. And <laughs> I was like, what happened? Cause I Who feel, is that? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm going to look, jump up and be that 21-year-old. And I am not. But I did make a list this week. I've started a list. Oh, of, a bu- is it a bucket list? It is. It's, like, right. it's called Life Goals. But now that I'm really looking at it, it's more like, I'm going to have to come up with some more intellectual goals or spiritual <laughs> or something. Because it's like places I want to go, languages I want to learn. There's Ooh. languages. There are languages. Wow. Really? Multiple? Well, I want to learn Spanish and Italian. Wow. I want to learn more Spanish. I mean, I know a little bit of Spanish, like enough to keep myself out of jail if I'm oh, down there. Oh, that's good. And to get a Super beer handy. and the bathroom. I know the important things. 
<laughs> El Jefe, you know El Jefe. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and me, Papa. <laughs> okay, hang on. <laughs> I think we're going to tell that story. I think story. there's a, I I think say, I saw that look, and it looks papa. like there's a story there, so. Yes. Uh, you know. <laughs> I think I've talked about it on the show before. I used to do some work. I still do. I just haven't had a chance to go down as often as I'd like. But I do some work down in Mexico at an orphanage called Casa Hogari Lim, just across the border from Texas into Mexico. Mm -hmm. Been with Marcy and Tim on several different trips. They go down as well. And Marcy and I are hanging out with the kids one time. (laughs) And we're having fun. You know, I love kids. I used to love these kids, but I don't anymore. (laughs) And here's why I don't anymore. They look at Marcy and they, then they look at me and point at me and go, "Tu papa?" <laughs> like, okay, hang on I a second. Died. That is hilarious. I, I did look at him and said, "Okay." He said, "Tu papa?" And I started laughing. See, si. see, si. <laughs> si, El Gordo. So, for translation, is that your dad? Yeah. You should have thought. No, it's my abuelo. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, and and just so you know, there's not that many years apart for right. us. <laughs> no, you don't look. No, you no, don't look like you don't I'm going to blame it on the beard. Right. Well, there was the beard. Yeah, the beard was probably the children thing. are dumb. There's also that. I used to love these children, but. <laughs> They're so mean. You remember I said I don't go anymore? Yeah. Well, now, now you know why. Now you know why. Feelers hurt. I'm out. <laughs> Jeff just eats. Figure candy. it out, orphans. <laughs> no, I like to that think. Out. I like to think it was more a reflection of you, Marcy, than me. Uh, you just look thank very you. youthful. Yes. <laughs> it might have been the cartwheels I was doing in yeah. the uh, courtyard or something else super immature. Right. So true. I was up to <laughs> your double back handspring. <laughs> yeah. a little Mary Lou uh, Retton routine in the courtyard. Not that good. Not that good. No, no, I'd hurt myself. <laughs> So languages and trips, anything mm-hmm. else on this bucket list we need um, to be aware of? Oh, I should have brought it. So I'll have to bring my list in for you. We need yeah. the list, the bucket yeah. list. Yeah, I'll bring in like the top 10 because it's getting pretty lengthy. Wow. But you know, one of the things I want to do, I want to live on a boat for a year in the Caribbean. Wow. Yes. That's pretty cool. That is pretty yeah. cool. I don't yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I want to do it. It may be one month. It was like, check. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or it may not happen at all. I'd be uh, one day, I'd be like, ah, you yeah. know what? This, that's good. <laughs> it's hot <laughs> if and you wet. If you don't know how to sail, it could be a whole year. <laughs> well, it could be. We could be, be stuck out, not even going anywhere, right. trying to use our trolling motor everywhere. <laughs> Timmy time's in. So we're going to see how if and when that happens. That's awesome. Timmy time would need to be in on that. Yeah, that's yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah, it'd be awkward alone. <laughs> it's our sabbatical of our marriage. <laughs> That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. yeah Plus, I like him, and he does all the hard stuff. That's true. That's true. He's so useful. Yeah. He's very useful. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. super useful. <laughs> He's like a Swiss uh, Army knife. It Pretty much. Yeah. He can do anything, fix anything, and then if we run into pirates, that's when I step in. Yeah. So, <laughs> we all have our place. <laughs> well, if you use some of those bear techniques, they have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> Zero chance. Uh, so. What about you, Jeff? Is there anything like skydiving that is kind of like at least piqued your interest that you haven't done? Or did you want to like bungee jump off the Royal Gorge Bridge or 
something like that. No, no. I, I'm kind of lame that way. I don't enjoy heights mm-hmm. that much, even though I'm 6'4". Right. It's as high as I want to go. <laughs> it's high plenty. enough for me. It's plenty. Yeah, my son's 6'6". That's, that's too high. <laughs> that's crazy. So, no, nothing like that, really. I think it's more, you know, the 50K was big. Now we're talking about 100K. So, yeah. it's like, I think for me, it's more challenging trying to do things that people say at that age you shouldn't be doing. Right. Let's go do those things. Yeah. Because anybody can skydive. I mean, George W. Bush, when he was 99, skydived. Right? Go. Wow. This is truth. I didn't know that. He yeah. looked at me for a fact check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, might have had the age slightly wrong. He was in his 90s. He was in his 90s. Like, do they just push the wheelchair out and then it's. (laughs) You know, it falls on its own and crumbles, but he made it. Wow. I know. That's impressive. I said George W. Was it George? Is his dad? What was the George H? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, well, that's George W. is not even there yet. Right. Yeah. George Herbert Walker Bush. Right. Yes. There you go. Yes. I want to hang glide. That's on mine. Really? Hang glide. I know. Or paraglide. I'm, I just learned the difference today while I was looking and making my list. Paraglide is two gliders. It's <laughs> no, no. Paraglide. Like paradox. Makes sense, but yeah. no. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Steve, anything else? But you're getting close. I know you said the Himalayan salts. Yeah. And, uh, and the truck. And the truck. Yeah, those definitely are going to go hand in hand. No, I. I think, you know, as I start to think about things, I just think, you know, like more adventure type of things, you know, yeah. like, let's, let's do like, I saw some the other day, it's like somebody did, um, three 14ers and in one day there was a location where you could actually physically do that. So things like that, I kind of, in like, one day, in one day. Yeah. What? So Were they running up them? No, no. But you had to get it pretty early and then, you know, get them all done in 24 hours. But like, to me, that's kind of fun. Cause I love going outside. I love challenging. I love hiking. So it's like. Stuff like that. Yeah. I, I'm not so much like an adrenaline seeker where I got to, you right. know, like. <laughs> Steven is popping his veins. <laughs> that, that's what that, that noise was. <laughs> that's that's my huge, huge biceps. My huge um, bendy pipes. Uh, yeah. This is Orange Theory right there. Yeah. <laughs> you can see. It's mainly just crowded freckles. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, so things like that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to like go jump in sharks and that kind of stuff. Does mean that's okay? No big deal. But. Think doing stuff that kind of be more fun because yeah. we talked about doing rim to rim to rim. Yes, that's, I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, yeah, I was reading about that. Uh, that sounds like it's a little bit of hell. It sounds like you're in. <laughs> Marcy's in. Marcy's in. Machu Picchu. Is that my saying that right? Machu Picchu. Thank you. Yes, that's Steven's on my been list. There. I've been there a couple. Have you times. done it? You've done it. It's amazing. Yeah, yes. that's on my list. Okay, speaking of trailing, I just have to tell a quick Machu Picchu. I'm not going to run it though. Okay. So you take a bus, like you got to get there either by hiking or train or whatever. You get to the base of it and it's one of those switchbacks that you go up. So you, you have to get a bus and you go up to the top of it and then you come out of the, like the info center and then you're looking over like what you see is that picture and there's all kinds of things you can do. You can go hiking and stuff and then you got to get back in the bus, go all the way down to the parking lot. Well, they have these little Peruvian kids who actually will start at the top as you when you're on the top, like going back down to the parking lot. And they'll say hi. They'll get on the bus and say hi. And then basically the bus driver says, if he beats us down the mountain, then you have to give him soles, which is kind of like a, a quarter, like yeah. almost like a dollar. So these kids, no kidding, like 10 years old will run. So imagine a switchback going left to right mm-hmm. all the way down. They run straight down through oh my the jungle. Gosh. And most of the time they beat the bus down and they come in. They're what? like, yeah. 
like soles, 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 and you just hand them the money, and wow. it's like it's such a cool thing. But that's how they make their money, and then they climb all the way back up and go back down again. And they oh do it all day gosh. long, and that's how they make money. But it's the coolest thing. So I mean. Sign those kids up for cross country. Heck, yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. They would be good trail runners. They would be amazing trail runners. <laughs> they are good trail they runners. Are, yeah, yes. I was going to say, little Wamsley's running around. Oh, so. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Yeah. So put that, keep that one on your list. I'll, I'll look for them. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to give him the money. I'm like, you don't have to do all that for me. That seems like a that's lot of work. Stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid, kids. Just take the money. They're Americans. They'll just hand it out. You know, so Stephen and Marcy, I think because since I'm so much older right. than both of you. Wiser. And yes, that's what I was going to say. Wiser. Yeah. I think mm. there are moments in time and moments in your life where it's good to stop mm. and reflect and maybe take inventory. I think, Stephen, we talked about a stat where it seems like most people run marathons or big races at like 39 or 49 because they're about to hit a milestone. Right. So I think it's good to stop and reflect and think about what are some of the goals that I've had and maybe I didn't even know I had yeah. that I haven't accomplished. Let's let's make a plan of attack to, to do it. So when are we going to go live on that boat, Marcy? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to get Tim retired first. So. <laughs> we, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a little while. It's yeah. going to be a hot minute. Yeah, he's, we're probably a good, how old am I again? 47? Uh, he's younger than me. That's he's true. still 45. He's such a he's big youngster. I know, I know. He doesn't even know what a midlife crisis is yet. <laughs> we haven't told him. Okay, well. Yeah. So um, I don't have a time frame on that one, but I am going to learn Spanish by the end of next year oh i love it well, Maybe, one yeah. year one year from now yeah i'm gonna be slightly fluent bueno 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 see si, papa <laughs> <laughs> do papa oh si. uh, i feel like that's an injury <laughs> With that, hopefully, maybe, Stephen, we can ask on social media, what are some of the things that people have in terms of milestones as they're reached in certain ages Yeah, that they want to accomplish? And it might be nice, too, if you put it on social media. It's kind of like you're putting it out there. You know, you're letting mm -hmm. people know, like, hey, by this time, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go on that trip, or I'm going to try that race, or sign up for that that event, or whatever. So, great idea, Jeff. Well, Marcy, as always, very insightful. It was great, except for that story about me being your papa. <laughs> With that, ladies and gentlemen. It's Marcy Baser. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks, Thanks for Marcy. having me. Well, Stephen, believe it or not, even at our age, we made it through episode number 50, the midlife crisis episode. Yeah, I, I can't even remember it now, Jeff. <laughs> so, can't remember that far back? I know, I can't remember that far back. But uh, yeah, this has been an incredible journey. We really appreciate that. I mean, 50 episodes, I don't know how many downloads it's been, but it's been, it's been really exciting to keep on doing this. So we just want to thank everybody. Thanks, Juan, for doing the introduction and for Ashley for giving giving us some tips about how to get over those hills. And Terry, we really appreciate you guys as well, too. And of course, we want to give a special thanks to the favorite one and only Marcy Baser for giving us some insights and deep thoughts on a midlife crisis. As only she can. As only as she can. That's why we have her on. She brings a perspective that's unique with some laughter, and we love it. And Stephen, I've noticed something. We have not gotten a review in quite a while, so I would love to double dog dare the listeners to give us 
a written review on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Yeah, so th- since this is episode number 50, Jeff, I think we would like to have 50 reviews in, Whoa. In, in 50 minutes or less with 50 stars. 50 stars is a lot. I like it. Right. It's a new It's a new thing that they're doing on, on iTunes. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No, in all sincerity, we really appreciate the reviews and it is really helpful. So keep them coming. It does help the podcast rank a little bit better. So rate, review, and subscribe are always the key ways to really help out. So if, if you're enjoying the podcast, of course, you can spread the word, but that's always the easiest way as well to help out. And here's your incentive. If you give us a review, I'll read it next week. What do you think about that, Stephen, on episode 51? That's good. Does it have to be a good review or just a review? It's got to be a good one. I'm not reading any bad ones. (laughs) Worst podcast ever. These guys don't know what they're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we also want to give thanks to our two partners, Path Projects. You guys know how much we love their gear, their shorts, their liners, their caps. Check them out at pathprojects.com. And Sarah with Vanderjacket, check that out as well. I'm actually going to get to Stephen. I'm going to get to meet Sarah in person. Oh, that's right. You're going out to Colorado. I'm going to Colorado, and I get to hang out with both Sarah and Sadie in person. Very cool. That'd be awesome. Well, tell them I said hi. Will do. And with that, that is the end of episode number 50. We want to give a special thanks to Steve Cinnamon Toast Saunders, our audio engineer, for doing an amazing job. We hope that you guys are enjoying the podcast. And if you're out there running right now up that hill, just keep on moving those legs and arms and you will get through it. So that is the Over the Hill episode. Until then, get out there, run those trails. And keep running your asses off. Hello, this is Juan, a.k.a. Kermit the Runner, and I'm a biggest runner from the most beautiful... Hi, this is Juan, Kermit the Runner, a.k.a. Kermit the Runner. Hi. Hi. Hello. Oh my god, I said twice. (laughs) Hi. Well, thank you, Juan. I think you probably know Juan as the. You probably know Juan as. <laughs> I've messed it up twice. Well, in in being inspired, that God, I can't even talk now. Steve, you're gonna have to do a lot of editing on this one. We're getting slappy tired. <clears throat> yes, we are. Especially like you pointed out, those that are in a little bit higher altitudes or or higher elevation. That's not what I want to say. Hear a little bit and get a little bit of insight on how you attack hills, Stephen. So with that, that's. It's not really a segment because there's like there's stats that more people run marathons, you know, at at age 40 and 50 and 60, you know, kind of thing. I think it's actually it's, it's interesting. It's actually 39. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The year 49, before, like 49. Year before. That's right. Yeah. Like the I day. ran mine 49, which is weird. Why, why don't we talk about that and say the reason is, is because people become more reflective and like don't miss the opportunity, like leverage mm-hmm. the opportunity yeah. to, to be. Start today. <laughs> yeah. So if you're 49 years old, please come and sign up right now for <laughs> Steve, I hope you're enjoying this little conversation we're having here. Steve, what about you? Midlife crisis? There it is. Excalibur. Wow. 64 Fender Stratocast in classic white with triple single coil pickups and a whammy ball. Stop torturing yourself, man. You'll never afford it. Live in the now. It will be mine. Oh, yes. It will be mine.